The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 184 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story, scientists are learning more about how long the virus lingers in all kinds of places, from face masks to concrete sidewalks. They're also testing what weather conditions it likes best. Their findings could indicate we're in for a frightening winter. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. The newest COVID-19 vaccine candidate to start human testing is the first where volunteers won't get a painful injection. Instead, they'll receive a spray through the nose. This week, China approved phase one human testing for a nasal spray vaccine, developed by researchers at Jiamen University, Hong Kong University, and vaccine maker Beijing Wantai biological pharmacy enterprise. Intranasal spray is recommended for children, as well as adults, who want to avoid the more common needle injection. Scientists around the world are working on sprays as an alternative to muscle jabs for all sorts of vaccines. In the UK, coronavirus is spreading exponentially again for the first time in months. It's prompting government representatives to urge the public to limit social activities. The government believes the so-called R-rate, the number of people that one infected person will pass the virus onto, is somewhere between 1 and 1.2. It was last above 1 in March. A separate study by Imperial College found the virus is now doubling every 7 to 8 days. Finally, Discount Clothing Store Century 21 is the latest retail industry casualty of the virus. But the New York chain says it should have survived the pandemic because it had business interruption insurance. Instead, insurers refused to pay, and Century 21 is shutting down after almost 60 years in business. More than 1,000 companies have found themselves in the same predicament and have sued, with cases playing out across the U.S. and the U.K. Insurers are arguing they don't have to pay out on pandemic claims, in part because the coronavirus didn't damage property. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. And now for today's main story. We're constantly learning about the SARS-CoV-2 virus, what it does to the human body, how it spreads, and why it seems to transmit more readily in certain situations compared with others. Knowing how long the virus lives under different conditions is crucial for understanding the drivers of transmission and how to stop it. Bloomberg senior editor Jason Gale spoke with a scientist looking into some of these critical questions. And his answers don't bode well for winter in the Northern Hemisphere. Dr. Jürgen Rist is the Regents Distinguished Professor at Kansas State University in Manhattan, Kansas. He's a German-born veterinarian who's been studying viruses since the 1980s. When the pandemic hit, Jürgen and his 30-person team were trying to understand how a deadly pig virus could spread through a feed mill under various climatic conditions. We just finished a, a beautiful feed experiment in a feed mill and we could, they told us stop. So Jürgen changed tack and got his team working on SARS-CoV-2 instead. They looked at how long the coronavirus can survive on a dozen different surfaces and in different weather. They used an incubator to mimic the typical indoor environment as well as average weather conditions in the fall and in the summer. And so I, as a virologist, I never thought I would go to, a, to the National Vet Weather Service website and look up all this data for a city like ours, which is in the middle of the middle of the United States. Jürgen's team worked with live coronavirus particles in a hermetically sealed biocontainment lab to study weather effects. And then we tested the stability of SARS-CoV-2 on different surfaces, different steel surfaces, cardboard, plastics, N95 masks, Tyvex, you name it, I think 12 different surfaces, cloth, uh, T-shirts we bought, um, and so on. And then we looked, what is the difference if you have a summer condition versus a spring condition? And the difference was significant. The measurement that Jürgen's group focused on was the virus's biological half-life. That's the time it takes for half of the virus particles, or virions, to die. They found that in summer, the virus disintegrates and inactivates much faster. The results were released ahead of publication and peer review at the end of August. The half-life is much shorter than in spring and fall. Now we are coming to the fall condition soon, and the virus will stay, stay around longer and uh, will survive longer under these fall conditions. On the same surface, I was surprised that our N95 mask, the Tyvex, were on the top. And that's what we wear all day. Tyvek is a synthetic polyethylene material that's used to make a lot of personal protective equipment. So for the Tyvek, we had 31.8 hours half-life in spring and fall. And in summer, it was only 4.6 hours. Significant. The SARS-CoV-2 virus survived on the protective material almost seven times longer under fall conditions than summer. On N95 respirator masks, which are more protective than surgical masks, 
the virus survived for 27.8 hours in cooler conditions versus 4.4 hours in summer. That's more than six times longer. And now we continue with the winter conditions. And I believe it's worse than, <laughs> than we saw, or the same or even worse than we saw with the fall conditions. So, um, and that's important for the epidemiologists and, you know, the people, because we have to understand uh, how long the virus survives in different environments. And if the virus survives in a, in a winter environment long, longer than in a summer environment, we already know the infectious, the, the pressure is higher in this under, under winter conditions compared to summer conditions and vice versa. We heard some famous predictions earlier in the pandemic that the virus would miraculously disappear in the Northern Hemisphere's spring. Five months later, the virus is still infecting tens of thousands of people each day. That doesn't bode well for what might happen when the temperature and humidity drop and people are back gathering indoors. So if we couldn't control it very well during the summer, we are in for a big surprise. And now we go continue these studies, not only in surfaces, but on biologic fluids and certain body fluids, tears, uh, nasal secretion, saliva, urine, feces, what, what, what is an environment the virus likes and what is an environment the, the virus doesn't like. Jürgen's group will also study houseflies and their propensity to distribute the coronavirus. They'll examine whether these pesky insects that can flit from a soil tissue to a lettuce leaf to a mouth are capable of picking up infectious virus particles, and if so, how far and wide they can transport them. As gross as all this sounds, the research will help us understand the coronavirus better and to inform policies and mitigation strategies that will prevent infections. What is the virus niche? Where can they survive for a long time and how can these, these, these niches play a role in the epidemiology. And we are having cases where they don't know where it comes from because they, they were not in close contact. So what, are the, what is the reason for that? And we have to address that in a scientifically well-defined, in a, in a, in a, in a well-defined way, not just speculate. And so we want to contribute a little bit to these kind of questions, uh, which are critical for us to understand. The coronavirus has by no means given up all its secrets. So many mysteries remain. But with thousands of scientists around the world studying the way it spreads and maims, every day we're gaining new clues and insights to help stop it. That was Jason Gale. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Jason Gale. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Schein and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. 
But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.